Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. All right, now, are you in? I'm, let's run to win. All right, God bless you. Have a seat. Once you get your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, 10 is the place where we're going today. I want to tell you about something. Every year, I, uh, I work to, to create a strategy to uh, really for all the messages that I'm going to be sharing. And, and I try to keep it flexible. So, you know, it, it, it is a little bit flexible, but I also do my best to really keep it on track. And I just want to tell you something. In late August of last year, I read an article that just really sobered my heart. It was in the mainstream media, and, and, uh, and, it, and it caused me to make the decision to, um, to create and then deliver six very unique messages that I was going to deliver this year in 2017. And, um, and the first of those messages is coming up in here in a couple of weeks. And it really comes from this. Uh, it, it, I've, I've kind of themed these six messages that I have scattered out throughout the year. They're called Real Questions. Um, and it was, it was spurred on by this. Pew Research... Uh, in an article that was released on August 24th of last year, they had some interesting statistics. Listen to this. It says in America now, 55% of Americans do not attend any type of religious services regularly. But here's what's even more interesting. 78%, okay, that's almost 80% of those people who do not go to church regularly get this, they once attended church. That's staggering. That's huge, and that grabbed my attention. Um, and I, I just couldn't leave it at that. You know, I, I looked at it, and I read, and I read more deeply. I read the article, and then I went to the Pew Research Report, and I went into detail. I just read everything I could about their research on this, because Pew Research has done a good job with... Uh, pulling stuff together on American culture, and, and their data is, is good. Here's what I found out as I began to go deeper, is that 49% of those people, so let's just say half of those people who don't come to church anymore, they say they don't because science or logic or lack of evidence or common sense have just proven to them and shown them that uh, that they don't need to be attending church. That God is not what the church puts out there that he is. Now, I have to say there's misinformation because of that. And I'll, I'll just be candid with you. The misinformation comes at, it from, comes at us from the culture, but it also even comes at us from within the church of, a, of, a, of, of an incorrect image of what God is and what God's word is. And, and here at City Life, I like to say this, we are Bible-based and Jesus-focused. That's our foundation, and I, I'm very passionate about that. So there's a lot of misinformation out there that's caused half of these people just to say, I'm not going to be in church because of this 
what I call, call misinformation. So I developed these six messages this year to address this. Two Sundays from today, I'm going to be sharing the first of these messages in this Real Questions theme. And the message is entitled, Why Does God Allow Suffering? That's a valuable question. And, and uh, what I've researched and found here is that uh, people basically you know, say, hey, there's a lot of suffering in the world. And, and they, but they say that since there is suffering, that's one of the main reasons why they don't believe in the God of the Bible. Because, because God is portrayed as all-powerful, which of course he is, and all-good, which of course he is. But because of that, they say, therefore, God, who is all-powerful and who is all-good, would never create a world filled with agonizing pain or pointless suffering. And I think it's a good question. I think it's one that we need to talk about. And I have no trouble addressing tough questions. I think we should, think it's right, think it's appropriate. So I'm going to address this question, why does God allow suffering? And I'm going to tell you something, guys. This is an excellent day to invite friends two Sundays from today. In fact, ushers right now are distributing these uh, You're Invited cards. I keep those with me all the time, and I use them as my business cards. I actually write my info on the back. And, and I want you to take one or some of these or whatever. But these You're Invited cards, if you'll notice, there are two sides to them. The front of it has the information about our worship gatherings. Very simple, very clear, easy to see and read. And the back is basically blank. <laughs> and it's, it's a place for you to say, I'll meet you here or whatever, or put your name or your phone number, just some kind of information. Even if it's a friend who already knows you has your phone number, you give it to them and write the date. I mean, just, just write it out two weeks from today. And, and the name of the message is, Why Does God Allow Suffering? If you can even remember that and jot that down, that's a good thing to write down. Why does God allow suffering? We're going to be talking about that. And then I say, well, what's the answer? You can just say, well, I don't know, but pastor's going to be talking about it. And, and I, 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 just, I guarantee that what I'm going to be sharing that day will touch the hearts of people who may not even be believers or who may have just felt like they don't even want to attend church anymore. I, I, I really want you to be here. So take those and deliver them and get them out. Well, today I'm wrapping up our Authentic Manliness series, and I'm really excited about this. If you were part of the first part of the series with me, you remember that I talked about how maturity is really a critical foundation for manliness. It's, uh, I, I kind of gave this call right up front for men to grow up and, um, and not be perpetual teenagers. Well, a, a couple of weeks ago, I was in California at a pastor's conference. Maybe you know I was there. I already told you one story from out there. I probably have a few more to come. But uh, while I was there, uh, I, was, I, I was actually in the community away from the conference, so this didn't actually happen at the conference center. But I saw something that perfectly illustrated this aspect of maturity or even lack of maturity. There was this young man, and he was about, uh, I'd say about 23, 24 years old, and he was wearing a t-shirt, and the t-shirt caught my eye. And, and I looked at it, and I was like, whoa, whoa, now, now, okay, guys, now, I know you weren't there, and I want, guys, I want you to leave this t-shirt up there for a few minutes, because I want to explain this to you. I know you weren't there, and you didn't see what I saw. I went online and found a picture of the t-shirt to show it to you, but I need to tell you the rest of the story. I, I, I couldn't believe when I saw this guy, 
the, the very interesting parallel to what I was teaching this whole month. And so I got really excited and I pulled out my phone. You know, have you ever done that before? So I know some of you have, you're really daring. And you start taking pictures and nobody knows you're taking pictures. I started, and, and there's, this, there's this feature on my phone where you just hold down the button and it just, I mean, it takes all these rapid fire pictures. And, 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 and it, was, it was the guy and apparently, I'm quite confident it was his dad and his mom that were there with him. And I'm telling you guys, this guy was a sight. Um, the guy was really just totally disheveled and unkempt, and, and, and his dad was too. He's just, you look at him, you go, oh, wow. I, I, I was kind of thinking about the guy. I thought, he'll never find a woman, you know, and, and it's like, how sad, how sad. And, 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 and I, the, I was standing in this line, and the lady behind me, she was totally observing what was going on with me and what I was doing. She started chuckling at me, and, uh, and, and I, you know, I, I knew she was, she, I know she was close enough. She knew what I was doing. She also had overheard me telling my wife that, uh, <clears throat> I told Rebecca, I said, I must get a picture of this. Nobody's going to believe me. And she was like, pull the camera out, hurry, 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 because she saw it too. It was just like, this is unbelievable. And I tell you, if you would have seen it, it was unbelievable. So I got the pictures. I put my phone away, and I turned to the lady who, who was next to me, and I said, hey, you don't understand. See, I didn't tell her I was a pastor, but I said, I'm doing this series of talks on authentic manliness, and part of it is why growing up in maturity is so important. And as you can see, this is a perfect illustration. And she just, she goes, that, she goes, your talk is going to be absolutely great because this is going to be the best accent for it. And, and basically, you know, she, she said, this is the saddest excuse for a man I've ever seen. And, and so, so all this was going on. And as my phone goes into my pocket, all of a sudden, I start to feel bad that I took the pictures. It, it was this moment. It was this moment. I took the pictures. I felt bad about it. And then I realized I can't use a total stranger as a negative prop in my sermons. And... <laughs> I pulled, I pulled the phone out, and I looked at the pictures, and I scrolled through every single one of those rapid little, there are probably 75 of them on my phone. But I knew that I couldn't, honestly, and I'm chuckling today because I'm making fun of myself. I knew that I, it was not right to belittle uh, someone and make fun of another person's weaknesses, so I deleted all of the pictures one minute after I took them. It was painful, and I really did want to show them to you, but... Actually, I was kind of glad I did because I was, as I was thinking through this story because the truth is, even though I did take the pictures, if I were to show them to you, it would have been inconsistent with my character, which is one of the other traits that I talked about, authentic manliness. So the pics are gone. I wanted to show you, but I'm not going to. So there, you just have to imagine. My, my wife can probably tell you what it looked like too. But authentic manliness is this, so don't wear that shirt. You know, authentic manliness is manliness that's actually defined by God because God created and formed man. And uh, if you go to the creator uh, who, who brought about and, 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 and put together this original design of man, then you're going to understand how God actually wired us. And so our best model for authentic manliness is actually Jesus Christ because Jesus is God, the creator. In the very beginning, it talks about God in the plural form. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was there at creation, making creation happen. So, Jesus is our example of authentic manliness. And, and see, that's one of the reasons why I'm not, I'm not attracted to what I would call uh, the institution of Christianity, be, but instead I am attracted to the person of Jesus. Because in Jesus, I find my identity. In him, a man finds his best role model. 
And in the church, we find the support and the strength and the systems to walk in Jesus' steps together. Now, Peter, one of the guys who followed in Jesus' steps himself, was actually, I would say, Jesus' closest friend. And he was, he was definitely the most passionate of the disciples. I mean, he's the one who, like, when they tried to arrest Jesus, he chopped the guy's ear off. You know, he was definitely very passionate. Like, you're not taking my friend away. But he wrote something really interesting in the scriptures. He wrote these words. He says, treat your wife with understanding. Now, it doesn't really come natural to most men, though, to do this. Most men are not hardwired to be keen observers of their wives. In fact, uh, men often miss these obvious signs. But uh, if, if we pick up on these signs, men, we would be helped a lot to avoid many headaches and heartbreaks as we, if we can just seem to recognize these things that our wives are sending us and, and if we would heed what our ladies are telling us. I'll just be candid with you. I'm still learning this, but I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. Trust me. My wife would give you full testimony on that. She'll be able to do that here in a few minutes if you guys want to pull her aside in the next service. But women, on the other hand, are also very, very keen observers. Uh, women understand their husband's patterns, and, and they understand the ways that their men are likely to behave in just about any given situation. In fact, wives know their husbands better than anyone. But mothers know their sons better than the sons even know themselves. But at the same time, women don't even understand themselves as well as they understand their husbands. Which is a little bit of seed for another series in the future. But I've designed this set of messages for men, but also for women. These messages actually help us both. And uh, today's the last one. You know, Edwin Lewis Cole... He's, a, he's a, just a very, very famous men's speaker, and he, he, he wrote these words. He says, women dream of men in the ideal, but then they marry the real, which is us. And regarding man, I mean, Adam was actually employed by God before he was married. And the first man actually had the first job, which was taking care of God's garden. So, so as a working man, uh, with very few distractions, he took his job really serious. I mean, he put his heart into it. And, and in the meantime, God entrusted man with more and more responsibilities and gave him promotions. And he said, okay, now I want you to start naming all the animals. And so, so basically, he was working two jobs, and there was no woman in existence, so no wonder he became focused on his career, right? Well, since Adam had his work before he had his wife, Adam was a man on a mission. And that's one of the reasons, ladies, to understand is that men primarily identify themselves with their work. You ask a man about themselves and he'll tell you about his work, first of all. Because men tend to be very mission-minded. But men, we have to be very careful that we don't commit what I would even call the sin of transposition. That's where you put your career first and then people and then family. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be very honest with you. This is another one you can ask Rebecca about, but uh, I've been very guilty of this. But a man's wife should never have to compete with his career in order to get his time and his attention. And uh, really what we have to do is learn to live in balance. It's, it's hard for man because men are typically like in this mindset of, I'm on a mission. In fact, for me, I, I could even amp it up a little bit. Hey, I'm on a mission from God, you know. 
But the truth is, is that if I can't be a good husband, if I can't be a good father, then I can't be a good pastor because it's actually required that I do the prior before I attempt to be a good pastor. See, Rebecca and I, now we are an inseparable team. I've learned to really value her input, and it almost took about six to seven years of marriage before I really began to, to recognize the value of that. And she is my support system. She is my accountability factor. She is my balance, most certainly. She's the one who, who ministers to me personally. In fact, the scriptures say that God created Eve to help Adam. I've already shared that with you. But today, women still desperately need to help their men. And we know we need help, but we don't seem to know that we need help from her. Because men, we are mission-minded, and, and being mission-minded causes us to be really stubborn sometimes. And so we often misinterpret our wife's efforts to help us. That's why I have to say that both uh, men and women really need to get a better understanding of the values and the patterns and the principles that work for both men and women. This is really important stuff. But this is a series for men. And in the future, I'll be doing a similar series for ladies. But, but this is for men. And, and, and I want to say this. Since the very, very beginning of time, men have been there with women you know, after Eve was created. But, but women have wanted their men to be strong. But only until recently... Have women needed uh, men to be a little different in their strength? They, they used to need men to be physically strong so that a man could provide for the family, so they could protect them from danger. In fact, in, fact, in most of the world still today, uh, women really need their men to serve as security guards and as strong professionals. And not yeah, just professional providers, people who are going to get out there and do something, find a way to do it with their strength. But in developed nations like ours, especially here in the heart of the city, uh, the need for physical security is not as significant as it was before. So it, it's been replaced by something else that we would have to call emotional security. And in, in all honesty, being able to provide physical security, and that actually comes easier and and more instinctive for a man than providing emotional security because the physical security part is actually chemically driven. Now, Today, though, women deeply desire the strength of character more than the strength of muscles. This is really important for men because the kind of strength your woman really wants has very little to do with your quads and with your pecs and with your biceps. The strength she needs is not something that can be developed in the gym. And it's simply something that you have to earn by the decisions that you make, the way you choose to live. Which really brings me to this next very important quality of authentic manliness for today. And it's basically wrapped up in this statement is that authentic manliness is this. It is knowing that genuine strength is a matter of integrity, not physicality in today's world. So strength is the fourth quality of authentic manliness that I'm wrapping up this series with. The first was maturity, the second was decisiveness, the third was consistency, but today we're building on the foundation of those three, and, and now we're capping it off with this last one called strength. Now, it is innate within a man to desire to be strong. Every man has that, that innate desire, but th there's, and I want to say this though, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a strong body. In fact, I would say that's a good thing. 
It really is. But it's not specifically what authentic manliness is all about. Why? Because it's not spoken of in the scriptures as being significant to manliness. So the strength that I'm talking about is best defined this way. I would say that strength is the courage to live out your convictions. In other words, it's the willingness to stand up for what you believe for, even if everyone else is saying something and doing something else. It's this unflinching determination that you're going to be the kind of man that God wants you to be. See, because real strength is a willingness of a man to follow another man whose name is Jesus. The scriptures uh, teach us that, that most men uh, who try to follow the crowd do so without even really knowing what they're doing or why they're doing it. In fact, it's funny because in the media, sometimes they pick up on that. They'll ask people who are in a big crowd doing something and, and they're protesting about something. They'll ask them, hey, what are you protesting? And they don't even know what they're protesting about. They're just kind of following the crowd. But a strong man thinks about what he's doing and refuses to simply do what everyone else is doing. This is good. This is important. Now listen, this doesn't mean that the man is a rebel. It does mean that he is mature, he's decisive, and he's consistent. But listen to this. It also does not mean that he is trying to be different than everyone else just to make a unique statement that he is novel or he is unique. In fact, that's selfish and immature itself. And I believe that real strength comes from some simplicity right here of love and kindness, simple living and humility. It means that, man, we understand that we're engaged in a fight. We're engaged in a fight for our own souls. And we're engaged in a fight for the souls of the people who are most precious to us. Now, there's this man in the Bible. Uh, he's one of the best examples of this, and his name is Paul. Uh, Paul was passionate. He was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And, and there's something that he wrote, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I asked you to open your Bibles to that earlier. But I want you to get this out right now. Ephesians 6.10, this is really good because Paul traveled the world spreading the message of Jesus in the ancient days. And, and Paul was actually a man who, who personified, I would say, this trait of authentic manliness and, and, and especially this aspect of strength. And, and he describes how the strength works using military terminology. He does it in Ephesians chapter 6. And I want us to look at this. And, and, and I, I love this passage of Scripture. Some of you who have been around for a while, you know the Scripture. This is about the armor of God. Now, when I was, uh, when I was a, a parent, actually, I still am, but when my boys were younger, we, we, there were these things that you could buy at, the, at like a Christian bookstore, and it was this plastic armor, and it was called the armor of God. And, and my boys loved it. I mean, they, they would dress up in this thing, and they would have this, this shield and this stuff, and they would be all fixed up, and they would go to battle with each other, and you know, they probably, they, they were just having a great time. They, they, and I loved it. We let them do it, and they had, they had a wonderful time doing it. Uh, but they were play-acting naturally because they're you know young growing boys they love all that stuff but they're actually play acting what we see right here now i want you to listen carefully to what's being saying paul uses military terminology to explain what real strength is for a man now typically and really for all of us he says be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god 
so that you will be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Catching this? For our struggle is not against people. (laughs) You see? Now, he sets it apart. I know he didn't say people. He says flesh and blood. That means people, though. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and and against all the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Basically, that means our struggle is against what is unseen. It's against spiritual darkness. Okay? That's basically what that means. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, because tough times will come, there's going to be a day when you're going to have to make a decision, man. Ladies, we all will. But when that day comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, you're still going to be standing. And he describes it. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And he says this, it keeps going, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all types of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Okay, Paul just explained all of this to us. And what this tells us is this, is that true strength resides inside a man, and the way that we use our strength is not against other people. True strength allows a man to simply stand his ground and to not give in to the pressures of the crowd by living right, which is righteousness, by making Jesus known with the gospel of peace, by having faith, by being saved, by, by, by loving God's word and using God's word, which is like a sword, and praying. He goes on to say, man, you need to be praying for yourself. You need to be praying for the people that you love. You need to be praying for your church. You need to be praying for your pastor. That's what he says. That, he's describing, is true strength that can be manifested in the heart of a man. This is actually a template that you can follow. Now, now, true strength is not about throwing your weight around. It's not about posturing. It's not about being a bully. See, because Jesus wasn't a bully. He was actually a servant. And, and being a servant, though, men, it doesn't mean that you're a wimp. It just means that you're smart. It actually means that you're willing to be just like the strongest man who ever lived, who is Jesus, that you're trying to follow his pathway. Because, men, your strength is not demonstrated by some machismo attitude. It's not demonstrated by abusive language or using your physical presence or even your physical strength or, or angry outbursts because that is not strength. I'm talking to all of us. Man. I'm talking to myself here. See, that's basically insecurity masquerading as strength inspired by a chemical that's called testosterone that is then misdirected because we don't have to worry about the saber-toothed tiger catching us. See, (laughs) Proverbs, Solomon says it this way. He says a man's kindness makes him attractive. Kindness isn't weakness. Actually, kindness takes incredible strength and resolve because sometimes I just don't feel like being kind. It's about having well-developed 
inner muscles. It's about self-control. And, those, and uh, these traits really don't come easy. They, they do have to be developed. Just like physical muscles, they have to be developed through exercise. Yeah, you know, if you're going to exercise, develop your muscles, you're going to have to do focused weightlifting. You'll have to uh, eat a certain diet and get a certain amount of sleep. And there's a lot of discipline involved with it. And in the same way, these inner muscles that really encompass true, authentic, manly strength, they also have to be developed over time. So how do we do it? Well, the best thing to do is get a trainer. <laughs> really, we need to go to the one who designed us. I go to the one who designed me in the very beginning, and it's God. It's Jesus. And talk to him. And, and then you ask God to transform you. That's why, that's why I put all caps on those letters, T-R-A-N-S, trans. Because I wanted you to catch that part. Ask God to transform you. And see, he already formed you. He already formed you, but we're broken men living in a fractured world. Therefore, we need to be transformed. Being transformed isn't an overnight event, nor is physical strength training an overnight event. Any of you who have gone down that path, you know what I'm talking about. But those who stick with the strength training are transformed. Now, it's interesting because if you hang around a gym for a while, you might see some guy coming in and, and, and he, his body may not be in shape at all. And if you watch him over a period of time, that guy can just like, a, you know, all of a sudden he's like, whoa, dude. And, you know, and I'm not even talking about the steroid stuff. I'm talking about the real, real stuff, you know. But you can be transformed. You look at the person like, I, I don't even recognize you. But that's my challenge to you is to be transformed. In fact, so much of what I'm preaching this year Really, with this whole theme of run to win is about being transformed. For men, it really comes down to these four basic traits that are built upon one another. Authentic manliness, which is maturity, decisiveness, consistency, and strength. And, and those are them. And I want you to leave those up on the screen. And, and ladies, as you, as you uh, look at these, and, and, and men, as you look at these, I want to just bring this up. Ladies, when you encounter a man that has these traits, you will know that he is an authentic man. He's following the authentic design. Because an authentic man is mature. He doesn't engage in childish pursuits. He resists the temptation to behave impulsively. He refuses to procrastinate. He's not a perpetual teenager. And he certainly doesn't wear the t-shirt that I showed you early. An authentic man is also decisive. He makes choices confidently and quickly. See, a decisive man has a wife who doesn't fear his leadership because she knows that his decisions are based upon principles that he's acquired because of study and experience. Authentic manliness is also consistency. Like a man who has consistency, his wife can let her guard down and rest easy because she knows that his words and actions are based upon values and principles that are instilled deep within his character. And an authentic man is also strong. His wife can look to her husband and feel proud <laughs> that this man lives out of the courage and integrity of his principles and his values in his life. And she doesn't have to worry that he is weak or will waver because he constantly lives in accordance with his convictions, no matter what the crowd says. He's strong, he's solid, and he's manly. So, how do we finally apply this teaching? Every week I've given some very practical methods on how to engage this. But first of all, here's what you need to do. We all need to do this because this is actually good for everyone. Is we need to let go of our mistakes that we made yesterday. Let them go. 
Those mistakes are hindering you in your race. You, also, you need to ask God to forgive you of any sin that you committed yesterday or last week or last month or last year. He will erase that sin and will completely forget that you ever sinned. Now, that's huge. See, that's actually an advantage that followers of Jesus happen over the rest of the world. We're forgiven, and we don't even deserve it, and God can't even remember that we ever sinned in the first place. That'll free you up right there to do all this. Also, in order to apply this teaching, hear me well, you don't need to be overly concerned about what you're going to look like 10 years from now because that's going to cause you to be thinking about the distant maybes and you might think, well, that's going to be so hard to attain. I'm all into goal setting. I'm all into long-term outlooks on life. But, but with this, here's what I'm saying. I encourage you to do this. Concern yourself with what you can be right now. Simply make today your new beginning and, and provide yourself with, with this, uh, this, this passionate desire to acquire these four traits. Men, ladies, everyone. And that's, another thing you can do is to ask God to help you often and regularly. Ask Him early. Ask Him now, God, help me. He's the one who formed you, and He's the one who can transform you. You can do it one day at a time, just one day at a time. The Apostle Paul also said this. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus went to the cross to offer us all forgiveness and to give you the power and the strength to be an overcomer in this life, to be transformed. And Jesus actually displays it best because he was weak on the cross, but he was actually strong to go to the cross because he knew what he stood for and he was not going to shrink in the face of adversity because Jesus knew he was on a mission. He was on a mission to change the world. I tell you, Jesus is not a wimp. Now, he's actually very strong. Jesus is my role model. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is the one who gives me strength so that I can do all things. It comes back to Jesus. And the question is, are you committed to him? I'd like for there to be no movement at this time. And leaders, I'd like for you to pray now because I think this is really the most important part of today. I'd like for you to take a moment and focus internally. And man, I want to pray for you specifically. The easiest way for me to do that is what I've done the last three weeks is, man, if you will just simply lift your hand so that I can see that you're, you're there, so I can see where the men are. And with your hand lifted, what I'm able to do is I'm just able to see where the men are, so I, I'm able to pray over you, all right? I'm not going to come down there and pray for you. You just stay right in your seat, but just lift your hand for me. And, and let's pray. Ladies, just pray for the men. And pray for yourself also, but, but just, men, lift your hand because I want to pray for you. Wherever I see a hand up, I'm praying. God, I pray for the men in this room. I pray for maturity. I pray for decisiveness, God. I pray that these will be men who are consistent, men who are strong. God, give these men the power to overcome the desire to have the commitment to growth. The men who will commit to live in authentic manliness today. Knowing that today they can take another step to follow their role model, which is you, Jesus. Bless these men. Bless families. Bless homes. Bless marriages in Jesus' name. God, for every man as he takes even the smallest step, God, God, I pray that there'll just be this overwhelming sense of accomplishment and joy and pleasure as he takes those steps forward. 
In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Guys, put your hands down. I want us to stay in an attitude of prayer because maybe you're here today you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus or maybe over the course of your life you've drifted from that relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm going to have a closing prayer here in just a moment. And, and as I share this closing prayer, if you want a new beginning, if you want to embrace your true sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. So if you'd like to be included in this closing prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, to simply surrender your life to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to simply lift your hand in just a moment so I can connect my faith with yours, similar to what we just did. I want to give you that signal. Lift your hand. I'll connect my faith with yours, and we'll all pray together because I believe that today can be the day of change for you because without Jesus, without forgiveness, working on all this stuff is going to be really, really tough. See, faith is when we respond outwardly to what's going on inwardly. So at the count of three, if you're ready to receive the love of Jesus, receive that forgiveness of your sin, and move forward in relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Men, ladies, anyone. One, two, three. Lift your hand for me. Lift your hand for me because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for if you want to receive Jesus into your life as your Savior because he loves you more than you can imagine. Great. Will you all please stand with me? Stand with me, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everyone in this room, if you lifted your hand, pray it out. Believers in this room, I want you to pray it as well. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. And today I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. Forgive my sins, and thank you for new life. Thank you for new hope. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.